You're either doing a gig or you're not. And yeah. I'm, it sounds, it sounds rubbish to me. And I don't want to do anything that's rubbish. Hello everyone and welcome back to Breaking Bread. We are mega excited to be here, bringing you some new episodes, finally. Yeah, we're back, baby. <laughs> Can't wait. We're your hosts, I'm Liam. This is Carl. Yep, this is Carl. We're just two best mates, really obsessed with food, like stupidly obsessed with food. Yeah, put it politely. And we absolutely love Birmingham, and we think Birmingham and her food scene is just a really special place. So we started this podcast to bring you interviews with those special people who make this industry so amazing. Yeah. And just generally talk about food. Yeah. Should well, work. Should work in there and the surrounding area. Welcome to the show. Oh yeah, and the surrounding area. Yeah. There's a bit of sully off. <laughs> yeah. Seeing as we've both ditched Birmingham for yeah, since we both left Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I thought we'd make that little introduction, seeing as we're two and a half years in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's about time we had one. Yeah, should have done that from season one. Better than Jesus shit we did. That still makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Liam. Hi, I'm Carl. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Gotta work your way in. So, it's... It, it's nice. We're, we're in a nice beer garden. It's oh, sunny. Mate. Nice beer garden. Stop raining. Sun's out. Just had some badass fish and chips. You sure did. Mad goose on the go. Get a beer for anyone that is worried that I'm fornicating with a mad goose. Yeah, after some fragua. So, after this kind of bleakest of January, February, and March, suddenly April the 12th, everything bang, straight back open. Mate, it's been great to see the amount of effort people have gone to to get people back. Loads of places are just running at a loss now, just to be open. Just to be good open. to see. Just because they. It's not good to, to see them making a loss, but it's good to see them just uh, back. Yeah, they just wanted to be back. I had the best of it. Obviously, went straight to our favourite uh, pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to the covered <laughs> wagon. Froze to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was before they installed the heaters. Yeah, they got heaters now. Yeah, we were I to be honest, I didn't care. I just wanted that mixed grill and that curry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soon we'll I loved it. I loved how in the car you were like, I'm not going to order too much uh, tonight. I'm just going to go spawn. And I was like, so you're not ordering a little dippy dippy curry? And you were like, yeah, I'm going to have to order a bit of dippy dippy curry. And I was like, mm, I'm not going to order a naan bread. Yeah, I'll probably order a naan bread. No, <laughs> so I wasn't going to have one, but that onion culture there is probably my favourite naan bread. Not we ended up know. ordering exactly what we always order. We didn't even look at the menu. I don't think I've ever ordered anything different. <laughs> the curry's the only thing that changes. <laughs> I could just have a different curry. Yeah, so what a day that was, over the 12th. And we, we were invited down to Luna, which is... Uh, it's hard to explain. You have to listen to this episode, which is all about Luna. Welcome to Birmingham. But it's hard to kind of pinhole what it actually is. It's a giant arena in Digba. All open air. All open air like an ultimate beer garden really isn't it like it's, it's just 100% outside so live music inside it's not for you but if you want to go this outside if it's a nice summer and we do a nice summer this year apparently there's a lot of tables it's, it's, it's vast that's all I can describe it as it's huge yeah, yeah. and they're going to have outdoor cinema you'll hear about all of this there's going to be loads coming in 
exciting. I think it'd be all right. Yeah. But how refreshing was it just to sit in the sun? Oh, mate, it's outside. It was cold that still. Be, uh, it's a nice chill outside. It was, it was the best feeling ever. Yeah, I've got a nice beer on the go now. Yeah. Where are we? Well, it doesn't pay me to say because everyone <laughs> knows our obsession. Little Blackwood is closed. For reasons we won't go into because this is a positive podcast. Yeah, so if you thought our obsession with Little Blackwood would come to an end with Little Blackwood, as with what well, the whole point of this kind of podcast is, is it's the people that make the restaurant special, yeah. not so much the building. So although Ben and Sophia unfortunately had to let Little Black- Blackwood go in Mosley, they've moved on to bigger, better things. Mate, we're at the Bull's Head in Barston, not far from Solihull Town Centre. Down the road from the airport, sitting in a massive, beautiful beer garden. It's sunny. There's a lovely van that we're selling fish and chips from. There's an amazing restaurant. You make it sound like an old clapped out old es- like transit or escort no, it's van. It's a beautiful airstream <laughs> van. But, yeah, you know, it is what it is. It's a van. There's a beautiful outdoor restaurant with barbecue. There's an outdoor bar, an indoor bar. To be honest, there's no one to talk about too much. We are going to do a podcast on this place. Bob's obsession with Ben and So is um, just moved location. They're our friends, like they're, they're just good friends of ours. And, and generally, this place is fantastic. And the ideas they've got, which will grow when we do the podcast with them, massive potential. Brilliant. Yeah, this place could be the best pub in the Midlands. Massive potential. Yeah, but they've got two barbecues. They've got a Komodo Dragon barbecue. Outdoor pizza oven, fryers, and that's all just outside. Komodo dragon pizza. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the, they're like they the big green eggs. There's two brands in there. There's the Komodo and the big green egg. Oh, right. They're essentially the same thing. Good to know. Good to know. Just in case you know, I was wondering. So, as for what's happening soon, obviously pubs are opening properly and restaurants are open properly. Once you haven't got beer guns, can finally open too. What date was that? 17th? 17th, yeah. A couple of weeks from now, everything will be hopefully back to normal. Touch wood. Touch wood. For us, anyway. Touch wood. Yeah, there's so many places we want to get to. Can't wait. It's going to be a great se- season. Serious season. We're going to have that fucking debate again, ain't we? Season three. Yeah. Season. So series three. Series this is three. kind of like the start of season three, but we're thinking now we might do these special episodes on the side where it's like a welcome to Birmingham episode. Like yes, this Luna one's opening. This is like a bonus episode. Yeah, yeah, just to get us, ease us nicely into season three. And it's more an episode, not so much on the place, more on just what's it like as a business. Yeah. And there's a lot, we focus a lot on the pandemic and how they go through and what they cope with and... Yeah, so this episode is with Tom, who's the founder of Adventure Bars, which is the uh, group who owns Luna Spring. They're still in it. Like, it's weird, isn't it? Because although they're a group of businesses, it's still essentially independent. You know, it's just three mates. Got yeah, it's not a chain. Yeah. Got lucky, opened a few places, it worked out well. Didn't get lucky. I don't like that. Mate, any, I mean, point, that's any right business that does well has had luck. You can, can work hard. Yeah, you can work really hard, but you still need luck. Like being a great footballer, you can be a great footballer and work every hour under the sun. You need some luck. Like an actor as well. I feel like be the best actor on the planet, but you need a bit of luck at the end of the day. It's like when people say, it's okay, because he had all the natural talent in the world. That's dismissive. No, I think everything that works out well, you need a bit of luck to wrap 
This is getting very deep for an intro. <laughs> Either uh, way, yeah. So yeah, it's an intro. We'll do another podcast on luck. So, yeah, <laughs> we really enjoyed sitting down with Tom. Um, great conversation all about how he got started off down in London. Yeah. What brought him up to Digba? Oh, spoilers. It's interesting, though, <laughs> to know what people outside Birmingham think of like places like Digba, because, you know, we love them. We talk yeah. about them all the time. Nice to hear what he thinks. Yeah, it's nice. Get a different perspective. Um, Obviously, massive thank you to Joe from the relationship for starting this up for us again. Uh, We're not sponsored by the relationship or or her PR company or anything like that. It's basically we've developed a good friendship with her and we just like her. She puts good things our way and she happens to be in the right place at the right time for most of the good stuff that's happening so she gets good clients and I feel like she genuinely cares about clients yeah, and she does. does a great job so um, massive thank you to Joe again for that we recorded this episode outside at the uh, Luna so it was a little bit noisy but we were kind of stuck in between a couple of doors so like there was a few times people walked in and out I've done my best to try and get rid of that you might notice a few bits and pieces, but I feel like it's still... Um, That's the atmosphere of the whole thing. Yeah, it's not perfect, but never has been. Yeah. And we're easing our way back into it, so you'll have to let us get used to it. I mean, sitting down to talk to strangers <laughs> again was well, quite I've, an experience. I've said I've got no problem admitting it. I've had... Trying to get back into sort of socialising and saying to people, I'm struggling with it. Yeah, do you know what? And you, messi- never, you messaged me about that like last week, and... I, it took me by surprise a bit because I feel like out of the two of us you've always been the sociable one like you're like yeah. party car you know I'm good at putting on like a front I think a lot of the time but in my head I'm just going god this I just feel awkward and I don't know why because I didn't used to I'd always class myself as the kind of like introvert who has to try and act extroverted and then so when you said that I was like oh man that, that hit me in the heart that did <laughs> hey, it's, I don't know it's not Prob- I'm used to, to there's probably honest. a lot of people going through that and it's well, important. That's what I, I thought I thought there must be loads of people going through something like this where they're struggling mm. to sort of get back to speaking to people that they haven't spoke to for a year and I think like that comes back to how important hospitality and pubs and restaurants yeah. are so you can get back out with your mates and family and so just a big ask for people to be patient not just with not so much with other people because people are getting used to being with other people again with everyone the staff as well in the, in these places who are getting used to working yeah, again yeah, for yeah. the first time and they might be having a little excitement about speaking to strangers and all yeah, of a sudden that's their job bar managers you know. waiters cleaners these yeah. people haven't worked for yeah, you yeah. everyone's got to get used to it all again which is strange it's, it's going to take some time but everyone yeah. will get back to normal hopefully or even create something better yeah, exactly. More compassionate, like, I don't know. It might make you, like, rethink a few things. You might come out a bit better at the end. You never know, do you? Mm. Let's hope. Yeah, so this is our episode with Tom. Enjoy. Founder of Adventure Bars. And we're really glad to be back doing this for you. We can't tell you how happy this makes us. And we hope you enjoy it. like to kind of just get into it, really. So, cool. uh, yeah. Tom, welcome to Breaking Breath. How's things? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Cool. Uh, we're well. We were at your opening of your brand new venue, but we've come somewhere a little bit quieter, a bit warmer as well, presumably. A bit warmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trust you to open something in the middle of what's supposed to be spring, well, I, <laughs> and it I, feels like winter. <laughs> yeah, I, I woke up this morning and I opened the blinds, and I, I live in London, and I and I've opened the blinds, and I've said to my son, "It's snowing." 
He's like, aren't you opening a bar today? I was like, yes, it's, it's snowing and I'm opening an outdoor bar. What could go wrong? Snowing in April, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I've never heard of it before, it's ridiculous. Yeah. No, I ain't. So people listening might not know about your, um, the Adventure Bar Group. Uh, is Josephine opened yet? Or? No, so, so tonight Josephine is like a three-year project we've been working on. We, we've kind of, we, we've always... You know, so we're as a business, we're kind of 16 years old, and we've kind of th thought about moving out of London for quite a while. Birmingham was felt to us for for a number of reasons, like the the obvious move. And so we've been looking in Birmingham for a long time. And about three years ago, we saw the site down on Stevenson Street, and we were kind of bidding on it and all sorts of stuff like that. And then that got delayed, and then lockdown happened, and we were ready on the 5th of December. We got it all ready. And Birmingham was, I think it was in tier one, or was it tier two? I, I can't even remember. I think it was tier one. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, and we were ready for the 5th of December, assuming that we'd be able to trade it. And then we got shut. And like, like the bar there has had dehydrated fruit in the fridge ready to go, you know, since the 5th of December. <laughs> I will replace it, obviously, before yeah. we open. But yeah, I mean, it's like fully stocked. The, the bat bar's ready. The glassware's ready. The the first set is, is ready. You know, everything's ready. We've had people moved up from London to help kind of train and they've been up there and they're actually helping us over in Luna because why not and uh, yeah so so um, this opportunity came up um, kind of we, we came up to look at the space and some of the areas around here because um, we liked we liked we'd heard a lot about Digbeth and, and we, we knew there was quite a kind of like a burgeon not burgeoning scene but like a, uh, a, a scene that was kind of had a real good reputation and makes sense to kind of have multiple things in the same area it's just much easier to run um so we came up and had a look at the a few of the other areas around sort of the custard factory and stuff like that and um and the, and the landlord showed us this space and they showed us these arches and i was like oh my god these arches are incredible you know can we can we do something around these arches and they're like oh yeah well we, we you know we'd like to activate all those later on I was like, well, this is incredible. Can I can I have on top of it? <laughs> well, may, maybe, you know, we've got all these plans. We've got this stuff going on in this car park. I said, okay, well, you know, keep me in mind. So um, we went away and they, they they had these plans. And for whatever reason, those plans, I think, fell out of bed. And I was up I was up in Digworth again. I think it was like the 3rd of December. I came up to set all the lights up yeah. for tonight, Josephine. And... Uh, and Joe rang me up and she said, oh, do you want to come have a look? This, the, the arena's in play. And I was like, I'm, I'm down the road. I can be there in half an hour. <laughs> so, I, so I kind of came down. She said, look, do you want to, do you want to like, get, get involved and look at this? And I was like, this is amazing. I could do this. But, you know, we could do stuff in the arches and we could activate this and this and this. And yeah, and, and that, that was kind of, I guess that would have been 3rd of December or something like that. And um, we started talking about it. We thought we initially were going to open May, maybe June, um, with various things in our pipeline or, you know, stuff that we, we were working on. Um, and then when the announcement, the roadmap got announced and, and we realized outdoor spaces were going to be front and center yeah. for like the early stuff, I was like, come on, right lads, we could, we could really get something big happening really quickly. But that was only five weeks ago, or, or I think it was... We started on site five weeks ago and it was just the car park. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so they, the guys have been, my business partner, Brian, he's been on site for five weeks, just 
day after day just banging out you saw the shipping containers that we've turned into the bar this gigantic pergola which is the size of like three three five you know three seven aside football pitches almost and it's just gigantic the scale of it's 15,000 square foot you know without restrictions we could do two and a half thousand people could be in there was there a part of you that was a little intimidated by the size or did, or did you just think ah fuck it just say yeah we'll take the space and we'll make it work like this could be cool both both of what you've just described were very real things you know my the biggest site i've done to date was initially four and a half maybe five thousand square foot is now probably seven thousand square foot wow. and which is our rooftop bar in, in waterloo which is this absolutely brilliant but also very simple space it's roof simple framework you know you, you let the kind of the space do the talking so to speak and you, you just try and deliver good service good drinks good food um nothing too high end nothing too complicated to keep the offering quite simple so that people can just let their they're in like their their good night out like do the do the, the work really and just kind of facilitate these these really engaging nights out um so that was i was sitting there thinking because of the scale, we need to do something like that. We need to keep it really simple. And because the space is so big, I was sat there going, you know, we've been shut for a year. We're a business that's privately funded. It's me and my my you know, my, my two partners. We set it up 16 years ago, like I said, and you know, we set it up 15 grand each. It's not like we, we've, we're bankrolled by private equity or anything like that. So- Which was your first bar, sorry? Was it so the Adventure it, Bar itself? Yeah, it was. The Battersea Rise Adventure Bar, which when we when when we bought it, had a capacity of about seventy five people, mm. um, and so we've kind of just like zigzagged up and around. And I was twenty three when we did it, so I didn't really have a clue what I was doing. I was just a bartender who, who kept getting sacked, and so I wanted a job I could get sacked from, basically. So we, we've just kind of recycled cash and borrowed a bit and paid back, and you know all of that sort of stuff. And so we've been shot for a year. We've been through an extraordinary amount of money. I know everyone is aware of the kind of the challenges around having, you know, when you're paying rent and you're not trading and all that sort of stuff. And it's just remarkable levels of cash burn. And, but I was like, we've got to open this site. And a site like that, when you look at a site of that scale, you could spend, I mean, you could spend a million quid on that quite easily without yeah. making much of an impression. I said to the guy, you know, we need to do it for a quarter of that because that's basically what we can get our hands on in order to, mm. you know, to get it trading. And also I, I kind of felt like opening now, the, the customer base everywhere would be fairly sympathetic to the cause. Everyone understands the challenges that hospitality have been under. Everyone understands that you've got to hustle a bit to kind of get it happening. And and frankly, everyone just wants to have a beer with their mates, you know, so um, I, I thought, well, let's, you know, we, we called our phase one as this bootstrap beer garden. So it's like, you know, I wrote a list in the in the office with the lads because it was like, oh, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. And I just wrote the list and I was like, what do we need? We need tunes, we need beer, stroke cocktails, <laughs> we need chairs, <laughs> we need food, and we need toilets. Oh, and we need seats, <laughs> right? There's these six things just there on the board. And I said, if we can put ticks next to that, we'll be all right. And if we can get as many of all of those things as humanly possible by, you know, the 12th of April, then, then we're in, we're in business and that's been it. And that's been, we kind of worked towards that six point list. And then it's like, okay, well, what, what are we known for in London, you know, at home, what are we known for? We're known for doing these really nice events, these really engaging events that people love. We're known for vertical drinking, which is difficult at the moment, but we're all, and 
you know, people having great nights out and parties and Christmases and birthdays and all that sort of stuff. But more recently, since last July, we pivoted towards this more event-driven model. And the great thing about that space in Digba, what we're here at, is that you have a huge capacity to do great events. And so, yeah, that was that, that's very much been like, okay, so get open, get trading, tick, tick, tick on those six points. How do we start introducing those events into it? And that's from next week, we'll start doing brunches and things like that, which will be kind of entertainment-led, but, you know, cool offerings that people will hopefully really enjoy. So it's like, get it open and figure out along the way. I, I mean, that's like my, my business model yeah. is... <laughs> You know, well, you, you can, I've done it before where we've over-invested in a site thinking, oh, it's going to be this or it's going to be that. And actually, you, you don't get the upside on all these things you want. And then you're like, well, I should have just done it like that. And yeah. we would have got all of all of that we wanted was in the first 35% anyways. We should have just done that. So more recently, when you've projects of huge scale, I've kind of gone, what is it we do? Keep it really simple, you know, get it so people love it and then build up for it once you're starting to get the yeah. feedback because feedback from especially when you come to an area that you're not that isn't you don't know intimately like it's not a local area that you've drunk in every day for you know whatever there's a piece about letting letting the area feedback to you and tell you what it wants yeah. you know you can't listen to everyone because people say oh, shit and this this and that and, and you have to ignore some of it but some of it is like okay well we haven't quite got that right so how do we pivot that to you know um, accommodate what they want you know because you, you want to give people what they want don't you you don't want to be just saying this is what we do like it or lump it because they won't have it at all they won't lump it they won't like it <laughs> you know it's you can't be you can't be that arrogant so yeah to your point it's like do it have a look does it work okay yeah it's working do some more of that but but constantly be on the lookout for what's how do we make it better how do we make it more of what people want yeah, it's a good way of working, especially if you're open to feedback as well. I mean, it takes yeah, a certain got, personality. You've, you've, I, I mean, I'm, I'm quite lucky. Me and my partners, I guess, you know, we kind of come from bartending background. We're not like industry veterans, although I suppose we probably are now, having gone through the last 12 months and, you know, 15 years before that. But we've always been quite um, open to the negative feedback as well. I, th I just think you have to be. Otherwise, everything... You know, I'm, I'm doing a little graph, obviously, but like, you know, everything is changing. And if you set your stall out as a flat line, you know, you might be ahead of, you might be ahead of them for a bit. But then once everything's changed and gone past you, you're, you're behind effectively. So you've got to kind of, you've got to be accelerating past your competition and stuff like that. And you can only do that if you're paying attention to what other people are doing and what people want, really. So do you still have a roadmap of what? where you want to take the place as a rough sort of guide. For Luna, yeah. I, I, so, we, you know, we want to, it's difficult with the restrictions in place because you're basically only able to have probably 600, maybe 700 people. We'll put the mezzanine in and stuff like that in a space that should be able to take 3,000 people. And the economics on 3,000 people versus 700 people are, they're, then it's like a different sport. It's not even the same game. It's so different. But... You know, we don't really know when those restrictions are going to get loosened. Oh, you know, we're all here in 21st of June or whatever, but I, that could be 2023 if we're... Who, who knows, really? Well, that's it. We're one variance away from everything changing again. Aren't yeah, I, and that's what I've said to my team, you know, sell, sell it like we're going to get shut down. That's basically what I tell my team all the time. I can't believe how relaxed you are. Like, if I was a business owner saying all of this stuff, my hair would be gone. Like. Well, 
Uh, look, I mean, look, last March when I, and I described the world ended, yeah. you know, I basically had near enough to a mental breakdown. You know, I was like, what, what on earth are we going to do here? Um, so I wasn't relaxed then. But there becomes this point where you kind of set your course and things that are outside your control, they, they are just that. You know, you can't do anything. Right, I can't control Boris, you know, and whatever Michael Gove tells him, I can't control that, you know. So I'm relaxed now because I've got, I've got things I can do. I've got things... I've got things I can achieve and they will get me on my course back to where we want to be as a business and you know, what we as a group want to do. And that's a lot easier when you're trading. It's really difficult when you're not trading because <laughs> yeah. you're just burning, like I said before, you're just burning money. But um, yeah, I mean, I look relaxed, but you know, I am a bit right now because I've had four beers, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Did you find much help off the government with all the stuff you've had to go through? So... It's an interesting one because context, it's, it's, so look, in some ways the government have given more help than I ever imagined. So I say I had this, you know, I like lost the plot back in March and that was in part because I believed no help was going to come. My business partner was very, very sanguine. He, he was like, it's something's going to come, but I was like, nothing like this has ever happened. Why would they help us? And he was just much more relaxed about it. I was not. Um, you know, JRS comes in furlough, and that is that basically saved that saved all of hospitality. That one thing saved everybody. Every job in hospitality is only there now because of JRS. The grants and stuff like that for some operators, there they they've done really well out of that. For some operators, they've done enough. For us, the financial support outside of JRS, well. Put it this way, the amount of money I've had to pay to keep people on my payroll is less than the amount of grants I've had. And I've got a rent roll of about 1.6 million pound as well in the one year time. So being a London centric operator, the support has not been proportional to the the costs. But for people who are not like London, the rent bubble is, is ridiculous. So, yeah. you know, uh, you know, everyone in London has been really badly hit. So, um, I mean, everyone, everyone has been really badly hit, but I think from a support to cost, Kai, the proportions, in my opinion, is 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 worse. But I mean, maybe you know, from us, it was very very difficult. But but actually, you know, on balance, I think the, the grants and supports, they've they've done quite a lot. <laughs> it's just not, yeah. yeah, you know, they've gave you a kind of platform to kind of so you can go forward, and you haven't just fell straight through. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like I'm trying to, I don't know what the metaphor would be, but if you had a massive bucket and it's just been pouring money out the bottom of the hole, yeah. you know, it's kind of like filled in the first ten percent back again. Yeah. But you need to be trading to like block the hole in the bucket, mm. don't you? Oh, so yeah. I'd rather have that ten percent than than nothing, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. you were probably more worried about your staff more than anything, like cause... as a business owner, you just just worried about everything. I mean, that was the biggest one. It's like, if you can't keep hold of the staff, then how do you reopen? If you can't reopen, then how do you trade again? And then it's game over. Yeah. You know, that is, yeah. I mean, to your point, it, it, that was the, um, and that's what I guess why I said before, had it not been for JRS, we would have all been completely, in, you know, in trouble. But we're here on a here happy we are. day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on a happy yeah, day yeah. <laughs> where the pubs have reopened, well, yeah. kind of outside. So if somebody came 
this weekend? I don't know when this is going to go out, but if someone come this weekend, what can they expect from Luna? Yeah, so so they'll come in. Um, they'll they'll be sat at a table, obviously, socially distanced, as as is uh, as is life now. Um, hopefully, they'll find some drinks on the menu that they like the look of. They'll see some food that they like the look of. They'll enjoy some music that they like. You know, uh, going back to the menu, it's very cocktail kind of focused. Mm. Uh, is it just kind of like uh, not recycled, but is it influenced by your other places or? Yeah. So, so the, the basis of the cocktail menu is kind of takes a core of what we've been doing elsewhere, and then we've added in new things, kind of development that kind of I guess organically happens when you've got a team of 150 people who make drinks for a living and oh I've made this and I love it and do you want to try that and, and those things go in and out of our menu I guess much like you would have if you went to a restaurant and the chefs bring things to the table and yeah. I suppose with drinks it's a bit different because you I think in the kitchen I think like my, my kitchen experience is not massive I've, I've done a bit but you know it tends to come from one person will be you know this is, these are the, the dishes we should do with ours, everyone's kind of trying to contribute, trying to win to get their drink on the menu and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, co- cocktails are traditionally where a lot of our volume of, of turnover comes from. And so we probably 70% elsewhere. I'm not expecting it to be as high here because of the nature of the of the setting, really. You know, we've set ourselves out as really a, you know, a beer garden with events and cocktails and street food and bits and pieces so you know people aren't coming to us just for cocktails so yeah you're not going to the o2 and ordering cocktails like <laughs> no but i think what the thing i've always wanted you know i used i i've lived in tooting in south london for a long time i used to go to brixton academy all the time mm. right so you know you, you go to brixton academy or, or in fact any arena you go to you know Birmingham O2 or whatever and you, you basically you get your, your can of beer or whatever and, and it's Did very used to have a red stripe there yeah really yeah, exactly. red stripe. <laughs> Foo Fighters yeah, red, stripe. red Stripe that was like the, the first time I ever went to the, went to that venue um, and you know it's quite limited and there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do a good offering a good F&B offering I understand why these venues don't because they are live music venues we are an F&B venue that will have music and we'll do joint ventures whereby we bring in expert specialists in live music and they will bolt on on top of us. Mm. So what you get on a Friday and Saturday, you will get pretty much if you came down for a gig. Yeah, so um, there'll be live bands. Yeah. That, uh, pretty much from the off or wait so, to restrictions. Yeah, so in order to make the economics work, it doesn't look like it's worth doing until the end of the summer. Yeah. Um, we have been approached by people about doing socially distanced gigs, but to be honest, I'd rather just personally, I don't like the idea of a socially distant gig. It's not, I, I, I not, not like, in, like squares on the floor yeah, or something. I, to be honest, it's, you, you're either doing a gig or you're not. And yeah. I'm, it sounds, it sounds rubbish to me and I don't want to do anything that's rubbish. So I'd rather just do what we do with bits of entertainment and, you know, all of that sort of stuff in our, in our own kind of arena. Um, but then when the restrictions lift, yeah, the plan is to do some quite cool stuff at the end of September with a sort of third party. So that, you know, which so I think will probably get announced in the next week or two. So, so we're expecting live music hopefully. I, I, I'm 98% sure <laughs> that there will be 
nine gigs in September with more than two and a half thousand people if all the restrictions are lifted. So it's yeah. going to be one day. We're talking effects. No, no, we're talking, we're talking <laughs> three weekends, three days where they will come in. There'll be a massive rig. There'll be proper, you know, proper marketing, proper, you know, everything like that. It'll be like you would get you know, just an outdoor fest, like they've done in the past in that venue. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's yeah so we'll do we'll do that and and you'll be but you'll be able to come and you'll be able to get our street food and our, and our cocktails and our drinks and all that stuff and you know in our setting cinema so i don't think we'll run the cinema at the same time but the plan is from oh, we'll check my dates but i think it's the 17th of may when the restrict the next round of restrictions get lifted the cinema comes in and that will be behind you see today where the food trucks have started coming in behind yeah. that will be the cinema area yeah well so from the 17th of May, we'll open up the cinema and that'll have kind of 100, 120 people in there, um, which will just be standard cinema thing. But then again, over the summer, we'll build that up as the stage goes in. We'll start adding in things like secret cinema or not secret cinema, obviously, but our version of that or orchestral back to, you know, yeah. actors and bits and pieces. Just because like on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, people aren't necessarily just going to come to Digbeth because just because you've got a beer garden mm. although I mean it'll still be cool and people will come but if I want to get five six hundred people in there I need to add more value to the guest experience so is the cinema going to be one of these things a big screen and if you go to Luna wherever you sit you're going to be seeing this film yeah but you won't be able to hear it <laughs> well no well, how's I the hearing is that just loud speakers no I think we'll work? do we'll, we'll do it with headphones then if you're yeah. if you're in the main area you can just sit and have drinks with your mates. You can watch it. I mean, I'm sure if people want it, the tickets are like a fiver at the moment. So it's yeah. not like we're going, making loads of money yeah, on the tickets. Yeah, yeah. It's just we, just, we just want to give people more reasons to come down to the venue, really. Now, how does this work? The, since it's not going to be loud, how does it work? Will you just listen off your headphones? So, well, we give everyone these like Bluetooth so you give wireless headphones. headphones. Yeah, like yeah. An app off your phone where you just listen to the film. No, no, no. We, we give everyone. You, you buy your ticket, we give you your headphones and you sit down and we, yeah, we do that in our other, some of our other venues yeah. as well. Oh, nice. I mean, when, when it be, if we were to do, when we do the more like instrumental piece, then it'll be, you know, it'll be the whole venue. It's not going to be yeah. <laughs> listening to that. <laughs> yeah, I've got my, I've got my drums plugged in, but you have to listen to them. Oh, I don't understand. Oh, I can hear the killers and I can hear the guy playing the Jaws theme tune. It's really perplexing. No, no, we'll, we'll go all in on that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's again, we're just going to learn, learn the venue and, and work out what works really. And you've got a couple of street food vendors right there now, two at the minute. Yeah, we we try to get more in for the opening, but um, the local politics has dictated that uh, certain food operators were not available to us to open. So um, we've uh, we've only got we've got pizza, we've got mother clucker, um, we've got um, we've got burgers at the moment as well. But yeah, we're hoping that over the next couple of weeks that will just expand out. Was that always the plan, or was it to do it yourself, or was that never the plan? No, I, I, I've always felt like um, give, having, trying to put together more reasons for people to visit. Social dining, street food is done very well in this area already by other yeah. people, and trying to do what they do, there's no point because they already do it really well. Mm. But if you want to create a good space with that kind of scale, you know, it makes sense to bring other local people in, on board as well, because, 
you know, they have their own following and, and they understand the market and we can learn a lot from them. And, and frankly, it's, it's more fun. It's just better working with people, other people. Like working, it's really exciting working with other operators, you know, as long as they, as long as they kind of play nice and we play nice and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, but I just think there's so, there's so many, when that venue is at full capacity, there's so much to go around. Why would you not like, okay, well they do that, oh, they do that cool ice cream concept that we would never be able to do. Why would we not get them in? Cause that's cool. And the guests will love it. And if they love it, then they'll come back and they're having, a, you know, and they're doing really well and all that sort of stuff. So I always just imagine that because of the scale of it, there would be other, other vendors involved really. Where did the name come from, Luna Springs? So, <laughs> You sat there, whenever we do a concept, it's like, okay, what's the history? What's the history of the area? And just start from there. Um, and you, you know, being an outsider, trying to understand my market really well. Did you know much about Digbeth coming from London? So you don't, <laughs> when you first find out, it's like, what is, what's Digbeth? And they're like, it's funny I'll say to people oh yeah we're doing this thing in Digworth and if they're from the air, Birmingham they're like I know Digworth it's fine you don't need to tell me all that stuff <laughs> coming from London everyone's like oh it's like it's like Shoreditch was six or seven years ago and you're like you're not exactly selling it to me here Surely, you know <laughs> but um, then you come down and you're like oh this place is fucking cool and um, and so, so no like three years ago when I was first coming to Birmingham I had no idea it was here I was like go into the main bit, go around Temple Street and all that sort of stuff, like all the kind of tourists and, you know, you come for the cricket or you come for the football and you're like, mm -hmm. okay, fine. Yeah, and so coming for the last couple of years, we would just calm down because we, we'd heard of the operators that were coming in here and we'd just been hearing that, you know, it's this really nice drinking vibe that's sort of growing out of the area and we would come down, sort of, we'd, we'd do our bit up in the main centre and we'd come down and we'd see bits popping up I don't know the guys from Mission Mars who've got the place next to us and we met the guys from MR, um, MJR who've got the mill running the mill and we know Roxy's and we know it's kind of birdies and some of those guys used to work at TGI's and I worked for TGI's years ago and so you kind of know various operators and they're all like oh yeah it's really cool and it's like really really exciting so yeah we just kind of it been on, like I said earlier, it been on the radar without, and I was always a bit like, well, some of our brands are a bit, didn't feel like the right fit for, you know, like I couldn't do a Tonight Josephine nah. in Digbeth. Nah. Nah. Um, you know, and and we have brand like Blame Glory and I was like, that's not really right either. It's just so, so you're kind of like, well, the place is great. The space is great. The area is great got to do something different and so we then started like I say getting, getting into the history of it all and you know the kind of the whole Lunar Society thing was like I was like that's that's really cool I love all I've always loved all that sort of stuff I've always been fascinated by kind of Victorian Britain and all of the kind of intellectuals and the crazy ideas you know I've got one a site in, in, in Covent Garden called the Escapologist and that was this fic, fictional creator, uh, character we made up who was this Baron Von Tuch is, you know, we just made up this backstory for him because I just love that whole area. And, 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 and as soon as I saw there was all this kind of Victorian history, which is obvious and, you, you know, and, and beyond sort of, um, around it, all, I was just like, oh my God, this is, this is all the stars are aligning. This is, this sounds great. And so we kind of, 
did a bit more digging, found out about this lunar society, and then and then it kind of just evolved from there. Really, get you know you get people on board who who understand it all, and then just spitball crazy ideas, and then it's like oh that sounds cool, let's do that. <laughs> That's it. It's, really, it's as simple as that, really. Cool. Yeah, I love the name. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I'm glad. I mean, there was yeah. you know you know sat there with six, and you're like, it's been, whenever you're naming a venue, there's always one or two, and the first time you read through, you're like, I think it's that one. I'm not sure and then you have to go away and come back and the names the right name when you pick it right it's just like and I have to like not tell anyone what my choice is for a while I have to go away and come back and I go this is the name and then other people love it or they don't people get any input or no no I mean the people who come up with the name like the list of names and the the people we work on the creative side they give they give me like alright it's this choice this choice this choice this choice and I just go okay it's that one and then my partners don't get a look in and I literally go this is what we're building and they're like what the fuck is this you know like Steve Jobs he used to get everyone to give a list and then he'd just completely ignore it and get his own yeah it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's like tell me what you think is right and, but it doesn't matter because if we can do what I think is right anyways type thing isn't it so. well, cool I think it works yeah. yeah well I hope so I mean you know it's early days isn't it we'll see which would we're wishing you all the best anyway. I really hope it works out. Um, when when does it open? Is it just uh, so we kind of soft open Monday to Friday? Yeah, well, yes, yeah, so we sort of soft open this Sorry, this Monday week. Monday to Friday. What bar opens Monday? To Friday? <laughs> <laughs> I said yes. So, <laughs> Monday, like seven days a week, or yeah. Look, I think the kind of what we call our core business will trade Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then cinema bits, and we'll bolt on things to bring people down mm. there. But this week we're open all week, and we're just going to play it by ear. And you have to be open all this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you definitely have to. Be and then I think as well, when the weather really kicks in, and it's yeah, you know, everyone's just sweltering. Then probably all week. Well, that's about really catches the sun. Right? Yeah, gets it all. I've got red noses from sitting <laughs> in the sun all day today, and it's been five degrees. Just you know. What time does it be open? To? Is it a late night spot or it's a midnight? Um, yeah. yeah, just before yeah, midnight. That's good. Yeah, it's, good. it's decent. Yeah. Good time. Awesome. Thanks very much, Tom. Oh, thank you. Really appreciate you taking me. the time to do this. Yeah. Thank you for coming, mate. Cool. cool.